Hello and welcome to another episode of the GPPW podcast. My name is Moritz Borchardt and I want to take this opportunity to not just talk about the US elections in general with a personal point of view, but also to give some recommendations about great resources and especially podcasts um, that cover that election and or whatever that actually is, um, countdown to doom and sanity, the end of the world, according to social media and, you know, both mainstream and off-mainstream media. So just, um, I'll make some quick remarks myself and then comment on, uh, yeah, a couple of sources uh, and podcasts that I, that I personally use um, and that, that I also used across GPBW um, as far as people listen to me, but that's a whole different story. So um, one of the first things right now, of course, is the the big, you know, supposed uh, re reinvigoration of the email scandal of Hillary Clinton's, which should not, you know, come to the surprise of anyone that that would flare up again, especially in this in the last couple of days before the election. And yeah, but the interesting one of the interesting things about that is to me, uh, the fact that apparently Donald Trump kind of predicted that and having Anthony Weiner being compar comparatively close to the to confidential files from that campaign might uh, yeah be might, might become a problem for Hillary Clinton you know, down the line, and there's not much to like about Donald Trump, but this moment, this comment that he made it was from a couple of months ago, and I kind of that is a nice highlight why Trump has some appeal to you know, uh, to, to people, because he has this, this certain degree of street smarts, and, you know, so it's, it, it was kind of interesting to have, to have that flare up, and have, and, you know, yeah, but the, again, there's the, so many deplorable things about uh, Donald Trump, that I don't think it's even, you know, Yes, Hillary Clinton is a very, very bad candidate with so many weaknesses and, you know, is exactly, you know, this the spitting image of what the more, you know, appealing or at least for younger people, more appealing candidates, populist candidates like Sanders, uh, like Trump, um, as have been going against in, in this uh, election season. So yeah, she's, uh, there's no point in, you know, counting all, all her weakness, but she's a terrible, terrible classical candidate. But the thing is, no matter how bad she is, Trump is so much worse. And if we, we may be talking about the same kind of sports, you know, both are playing, let's say, soccer or football. But there's just no comparison between the two candidates and that in the regard of actual quality. 
And I think there's a lot of cases to be made about um, Hillary's foreign policy, that especially us as GPPW, because none of us actually lives in the US, and none of us actually is from the US. We all have this outsider's view on uh, on the whole election cycle. And of course, the thing that we will be most directly affected by would is would be foreign policy. Um, so, social welfare, and you know what they call Obamacare, does not affect us, but it's still you know the good policy that needs improvement. But you know that should be kept. So we would be most direct most directly affected by uh, foreign policy and defense policy. And of course, um, Hillary has views that are very, seem to be very much rooted in the 20th century rather than the 21st one. So, yeah, the you know Europeans and, uh, and Canadians and whatever, we wouldn't have a good time either way, probably. But we would still, Hillary is so much more predictable than Trump. And that's, I think, the, the crux of the whole thing. We simply have no idea what Trump would do aside from react badly to his name being mentioned on Twitter in a less than optimal way. And that's just a level of risk that no one should be really willing to take or you know that's yeah the risk is a bit too high for anyone to 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 roll the, those dice because if it goes wrong it will go really wrong and so you know but yes uh but this weakness statement was the first thing um wikileaks is also one of those things that, especially from the left, people would sometimes say, yeah, you know, we're surprised that WikiLeaks would, you know, take information that was given to it by whoever, you know, Russians. But from the beginning, and when Wiki WikiLeaks uh, came up for the first time, in uh, five years ago, whenever that was, there was, you know, those probes into the past of Julian Assange, on, and in those uh, re research, the, you know, texts came up that where he self-identified as an anarchist, and of course, it's you know, saying that that WikiLeaks and uh, by extension Julian Assange or the other way around want to see the world burn is, you know, falls short in so many ways. But just the fact that they would, you know, where they first attacked, um, I think it was the Bush administration, uh, with their leaks, that they would now attack, uh, you know, more left, not necessarily leftist candidates, but yeah, uh, the uh, the establishment still is shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. And that doesn't mean that you know their leaks in the future won't do you know be in the favor of things that we might actually that uh, are actually you know more in favor of the left because it would damage further right candidates or politicians. Then, you know uh, we can't predict that, but I think like 
on average, it might be a tie between those two, like helpful, not helpful. But yeah, in, in the end, WikiLeaks is, you know, provides information that is given given to us. The question about timing, sure, there will be politics and that involved, but what is apolitical these days, really? And um, then, yeah, let's maybe quickly talk about third-party candidates, which is, which are you know, great and nice, and you know, becoming the the one the one third-party candidate or the first third-party candidate that actually makes has a realistic chance uh, will be the the holy grail for all third-party candidates until one succeeds. So to to break up that uh, two-party structure in the U.S. And it's it will be hard to predict which kind of candidate would be able to do that. Would have been interesting to see uh, what would have happened if Trump had decided had not gotten the Demo had not gotten the Republican Democrat. Uh, sorry, they had not gotten the Republican nomination, but had got, had gone rogue uh, and pursued the whole thing as an independent. That would have been quite interesting. Uh, and yeah, at least it would have been probably be fun to see, and in, and in comparison also to see how we would have done without the party structure. So, but aside from someone like that who has this, who already has a big media presence and a brand that they can use, I don't really see that happening. And. Yes, uh, Jill Stein has a brand, but Jill Stein has had the same brand for pretty much for a while, from what I can tell, or from what I've seen and heard about her, which wasn't very much. Uh, so, and the libertarians, you know, are former Republicans, uh, the current version of them. Is, uh, so, yeah, but in the end, none of them has a realistic shot. And last numbers I heard were like, uh, the libertarians at two percent and just at three percent, or the other way around. So it is, you know, at this point in time, quite ne negligible. But the question will be, I think, whether this, the most recent, um, you know, revelations from the Anthony Weiner uh, emails and you know from whatever will come, for facts will come up in the next couple of days until the elections, you know, how many people would get pushed away from the candidates that they usually plan to vote for um, to third-party candidates. And that might a while make the difference. And we've, there have been enough cases of U US elections where, you know, it was came down to like a thousand votes, 10,000 votes. And then these, these kind of numbers, I think, can can theoretically be influenced uh, and can be changed by, uh, by th uh, yeah, the decision to either write in someone or third party candidates, things like that. So, you know, it will be tense until next Tuesday. Um, but yeah, the, the third party candidates I'm, I'm really looking forward to, 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 to the day uh, that one of them actually gets to make a proper difference, gets into the, the double digits, 
at least, or you know, would be, be interesting to see what happens when one of when one of the third party candidates gets gets up to thirty percent. But I don't think there's anyone just yet that might fulfill that role. And who knows? Maybe if Trump fails, he'll try again in another four years, um, or you know, one of his sons, whatever, or Ivanka. Um, but yeah, Ivanka Trump, yeah, his daughter, whatever. Um, so, but it's, it has to be like very known brand for, for that to actually matter in, on a larger scale and in cases where, you know, by any means, like any other candidate, if any other candidate would have run against Donald Trump, the margins would have been much bigger. And the, the difference between, for example, Sanders and Trump were always like, way in the double digits. I think one of the numbers that I remember was like 14, uh, Sanders beating Trump by 14%. And of course, we don't know what uh, what would have been the end result of that, but you know, Hillary can realistically only, only beat a candidate as terrible as Donald Trump, which is, you know, a bit worse than, than she is, or you know, considerably worse, but still. We're not talking about good candidates here. And one last thing uh, from my own comments before I talk about some interesting resources uh, will be the future cooperation between the presidency and uh, Capitol Hill. So whoever is going to be president will have a hard time getting th through uh, the big, quite a lot of policies because Trump is not particularly well liked, and he might turn out more liberal than the the Republicans on the Hill might want, and that could uh, prove to be quite a quite an interesting challenge. Even though, um, assuming that Mike Pence would, in that kind of scenario, run quite a lot of things, might be closer to the traditional to the standard um, GOP line. But yeah, I think President Trump would have, would run into quite instant trouble with his supposed party. And of course, assuming that uh, uh, the Senate and the House don't change too much, uh, so maybe I think the last numbers that I saw um, about the Senate was that the majority of the seats would be won by Democrats in this round. You know, it still wouldn't be ideal because it would be nice to have both parts of parliament, uh, you know, in democratic hands for, for Hillary to actually govern. And looking at the, at the way the Republicans on the Hill have dealt with uh, President Obama, that's, it would be very, very challenging to get anything but the absolute minimum done in terms of actual, actual policy and without compromising, compromising, compromising. But then again, you know, Hillary might be the person to actually get, get more things done than we would initially expect. But then if we 
ju judging from the last eight years of, uh, of a democratic presidency, the, the, just the fact that the, the Republicans had sworn to, to not allow uh, President Obama to do anything, no matter how many of them probably, you know, at least in theory, would like to do something and to, to vote on something every once in a while, wasn't, you know, just didn't happen. And so, are we going to see another, you know, democratic presidency um, made of, made up of executive action and other kind of, uh, you know, uh, policies that are on a level below actual laws and uh, these kind of things might well be. And then we would have another couple of cases where probably someone where uh, the White House would uh, enact or, uh, you know, a, a policy or a guide, a guideline that would then be um, discarded uh, after a couple of years by the Supreme Court. No matter, like, the whole Supreme Court thing is also one of those, you know, tentative issues these days because it might well be that as long as the, the Republicans don't change their, their approach to, you know, conf confirming anything or anyone that the Supreme Court might be in trouble. But even 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 so, at least for the next eight years, there will be some uh, court mem uh, judges, federal judges, uh, Supreme Court judges alive that can you know that have to make the the rulings that are that are due. And these rulings might well be you know this um, about certain executive actions from the White House. So. Yeah, that's it. Will be interesting to to see how all these things develop. Now, um, yes, I wanted to talk about a couple of uh, very interesting, uh, predominantly audio resources and in, in, in the form of podcasts. Not just about this this specific election, but mostly. And um, yeah, the first one, and um, I guess in comparison, the one that I look forward to most every week or in the last couple of days, in, in the, this week, every day, is the NPR Politics Podcast. That's a roundtable podcast from M NPR with the different reporters that can uh, that travel with the various com various campaigns. And uh, if there's you know an interesting new development, they'll get uh, legal specialists, they get uh, electoral spe specialists, they, they can delve into the details of uh, yeah, electoral laws, etc. And uh, you can find them under NPR Politics Podcast. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a round table. It's quite easy going, but it's, you know, they, they go in depth and they're really well informed. And right now, um, until election day, uh, probably also, you know, at least one, one day after that, they will have episodes every day. Usually they're on every Thursday. They, they have the weekly roundup. But until election day, um, it will be 
they have episodes every day and it's they are usually like half an hour to 45 minutes long those podcasts and now that they have one episode every day they're usually a bit shorter because there's just not that much happening every day then the next uh, podcast also or radio show is the Diane Ream show from um, also NPR and from WAMU and that's a called in radio show so Diane Ream is this uh, venerable uh, r radio host and she has a, a, it's a panel show uh, with call in so yeah and she has uh, I'm not sure if she has episodes every day but she has every week every weekend uh, on every Friday they have a, a weekly roundup episodes of each of one hour and they have that's each one hour for domestic American politics and one hour on international politics which is something that I'm still missing from the NPR polit NPR politics podcast because they don't cover international politics as much or they cover that in light of uh, domestic American politics. So, yeah. Then we have a podcast called called Keeping It uh, 1600, um, which is uh, also a roundtable podcast um, with from made by four former former aides of uh, President Obama. So they there's uh, their names are John Favreau. Dan Pfeiffer, John Lovett, John Lovett, and uh, Tommy Vitor, and all of them worked uh, on on at the uh, Obama White House. So they're all they were speechwriters, strategists. Um, so yeah, and they're all Democrats. They but they also you know play the numbers game, and it's really interesting to listen to them. They're on every week, um, but they also, in, the last, in this last couple of weeks, they've had more than one episode every week because new things happen. And it's also, yeah, quite interesting. Also usually somewhere between uh, half an hour and an hour long. Then from the other side of the aisle, there's the Weekly Standard Podcast, which is, you know, from... Uh, uh, the Weekly Standard was founded by Bill Crystal, one of the you know granddaddies of grandfathers of the, the the neoliberal ideas of the Bush administration, and it's quite interesting to to hear also that side side of the art that are, that side of the political spectrum, and uh, just to know the kind of arguments that uh, that are being made there, and sometimes they you know it's. You can agree with them. Sometimes you certainly don't have to, but it's one of those sources of yeah. Just the more you know, the better. And something similar um, would be the yeah, the, the John Bachelor show. That's but that's John Bachelor is also I, I would call him a co like conservative uh, radio host, but like gen normal. Radio host. Most of his like did, most of the content that he puts out is about whatever space uh, and history and all these kind of things. But when he talks, when 
he talks about current politics. It's like he's, he's conservative and sometimes painfully so. But yeah, those two are quite interesting. Then we have The X-Files. The X-Files uh, is an interview show by, by David Axelrod, one of the, of the former senior advisors to Barack Obama uh, in, in the White House. And it's, it's a it very interesting um, yeah, interview podcast where he has, like really, he had had uh, Nancy Pelosi. One of the last ones was uh, Secretary, Foreign Secretary Kerry. But he also had a in, um, very interesting conversation with Carl uh, Rove, for example. So it, yeah, it's quite yeah. Or the uh, Agriculture Secretary from the Obama administration, who was originally originally ru running with Hillary Clinton against Barack Obama. So yeah, and who has been now the the longest serving cabinet member in the Obama administration. So that's. Yeah, a lot of very interesting interviews, and they all they touch on you know the ongoing race uh, on uh, presidential race, but it's more about the interviews themselves. And yeah, then we have as a website in general five thirty eight of course from Nate Silver just to get uh, get uh, yeah uh, get down to to numbers and see okay which. Uh, what are the pro projections? What are the recent, most recent polls? Uh, then we have uh, one. One. Uh, I wanted to put in one satirist uh, or one satirical show in in this rather lengthy lengthy list. I find at this point, which is the Bugle. Uh, the Bugle was is uh, the audio newspaper for for a visual visual world. Uh, let me try to try that again the audio newspaper for a visual world. It's a podcast that was originally founded by John Oliver um, and Andy Saltzman, both you know, British comedians. Of course, since uh, joining, uh, since John Oliver has had his own show, the, he, has, he has left uh, that podcast now, but Andy Saltzman and, uh, and now uh, varying co-hosts talk every week with a very satirical um, and farcical point of view on politics in general. They cover British politics, but also have co covered quite a lot of American politics recently. And it's always, you know, with a light satirical and sometimes very cynical touch on it. Usually, you know, a, a nice light breathe uh, when you, in comparison to, to the more you know, dense and oh my God, this is happening. Podcasts and what one um, honorable mention has to, of course, go to Ian Bremmer and the Eurasia Group, who are you know political risk consultants. And Ian Bremmer is is their president, founder and president, and his content is predominantly on Facebook. Like at least the, his videos and his like ten minutes. Um, talking about the world and explaining the world videos and one thing that uh, the whole of JPBW has come to adore and uh, admire is the signal which is the, the weekly newsletter from the from Eurasia group and that's one of the 
best written uh, yeah, newsletters that I've ever seen or like the most entertainingly written factual pieces of anything really and uh, but yeah so Ian Bremmer is always interesting always you know makes always sense of the world and yeah he's at least I personally follow him pre predominantly on Facebook where he has like his office hours where he takes questions from from his, his followers and answers them makes regular statements when something new is happening and is also always taking the a more internationally and internationally focused view on the US elections although of course he's he is American and he sits in his office is his main office is in New York but he's always focusing and also commenting on you know goings on all around the globe and putting these things into reference uh, with the with the elections and yeah generally highly re highly recommended and yeah the signal is um, one of those things that when I grow up I want to be able to write like that and I wished I had the the author of the signal at my disposal right now but yeah it's brilliant brilliantly written but brilliantly interesting and uh, more often than not br brilliantly entertaining and with that I've rambled on for the better part of half an hour so yeah I will put there will be links to all, all of these things in the show notes um, we have to apologize for the last two uploads uh, on this channel which were um, Skype conversations where only one side of the conversation was recorded. We are uh, trying, um, that was me and our uh, assistant director and social media manager, uh, Thomas Lee uh, from Canada. We're trying to get together again before the elections so that we can have a cross-continental uh, rambling about that. Uh, in any case, we'll try to do that so that you that you hear more than one one voice and more than one accent and yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Um, I really recommend all of the uh, mentioned sources. Yeah, feel free to com like, comment, share, all the all the fun stuff. Talk to you next time. Have a good one.